Hey everyone, it's that time again, Ask. And uh, this week we're gonna talk about, is it okay to resist a bully when you're a Christian? And a couple of other really, really great deep questions, uh, I believe anyway, so stay tuned for this edition of Ask. I'm Pastor Jamie, we're at Cornerstone Church where we answer questions that you've asked through our uh, website, which is Cornerstone BV, stands for Blackstone Valley, in case you care, uh, .org. And uh, just go to the media page, drop down, uh, there's an ask uh, button there, hit that and submit your question. You'll see it in the next few weeks, we definitely need your questions. You just ask it anything about, what, what does God think about some area of your life, or the, uh, a Bible verse, or any kind of question like that. If you have the questions, some, someone else does as well. So be sure to submit them. Before you forget, do it right now, all right? Okay, so this one um, is, is a, uh, I think, a great question. It says, what does the Bible say about being bullied? I know it says turn the other cheek and go the extra mile, but is there a limit to that, right? Bullying doesn't grieves God. Anytime we use some kind of power or influence to consistently put someone down or hurt someone or in any way hurt them, make them sad, hurt them physically, hurt them emotionally, um, online uh, bullying online, bullying in person, bullying on the bus, bullying at work, bullying in a church, it's always wrong, it's sinful, right? But the question deals with what if you're the one being bullied? And Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Jesus says, go the other mile. And it's like, Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That would be a bully, wouldn't it? And so remember, first and foremost, the context of Jesus teaching in that. And it's absolutely not uh, disputing it at all. It's Christ teaching, and we should be very observant and obedient to it. But he's talking about, um, he, he's talking about how you behave back to those people. Um, to forgive them, to pray for them, to uh, to, to not hold uh, it against them whenever possible. This means putting God first. Um, this is allows us to show mercy to someone, even a bully, because we don't know what made them that, right? We, we don't know who bullied them, who hurt them. That's usually how bullies are, right? Their own parents have abused them. They've been in some situation that's really bad. And, and it's hard in the context of being bullied, but if we step back and pray for them and remember they're a human being that probably was hurt themselves and that's why they're lashing out at us, doesn't make it hurt any less. Of course, it, it, it still hurts, but, but we show them, them mercy. It also allows us to keep from hanging on to bitterness. Your bitterness and anger towards someone um, and, and desire to get revenge, that just hurts you. It eats away at your insides and it doesn't glorify God. So um, following what Jesus says does all of those things. However, we are not expected to intentionally stay in the path of a bully or someone who's hurting us. Right, it doesn't say that. Like, hey, make sure you go and get bullied again. And right, you absolutely. If someone, um, you have every right to defend yourself. If somebody's hurting you, um, you, you, you know, this isn't lashing back out in anger. This isn't getting revenge. This is saying, hey, I don't need to be hurt in this way. And so, the best way to typically do that is to find authorities. That might be the police. It might be the principal of a high school. It might be parents. It might be a coach. It, you know, pastor. It could be somebody who can do something about your situation. You shouldn't be bullied in silence and just say, "Well, God wants me to turn the other cheek," and continue to put yourself into that situation. You should get help. Um, you don't need to to stand uh, in the way of that bullying. Now, that still involves seeking to forgive the person seeking to show mercy to that person, not seeking to, to get revenge on them so they hurt the way you hurt. That's not how Jesus wants us to behave. Human flesh, yes, we wanna lash out and hurt them because they hurt us. Jesus says that's where turning the other cheek comes in. But 
At the same time, you are allowed to protect yourself. You do not need to stand in that way of the bully or the, the person who's persecuting, hurting you, okay? Uh, hopefully that helps. If there's um, any follow-up there, please let me know. That's a deep question. Uh, second question, why was the Tower of Babel, which of course is found in Genesis chapter 11, if you want to pause and, and read it, um, such a bad idea? Teamwork makes the dream work. Really? Was God just being a party pooper? Um, no. <laughs> it's always the answer to that. God is not a party pooper. Uh, well, maybe he is because he needs to be because that party that we're involving ourselves in is wrong. And so God disrupts that party. I almost said poops on the party, but that's just ridiculous. I can't say that. So anyway, um, you opened yourself up to it by asking it that way. Uh, so here's the thing. Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, um, just basically says all there was one language, one people, and they were staying in one place. They were sedentary. So they were they were looking to build this, this, this sort of temple to heaven. Um, and God came down, which is very important. No matter how big they built it, God still has to come down because they weren't going to reach God, right? But they thought they could. And so God saw this isn't a good idea and he disrupts them. They all speak different languages and they, they spread out amongst the earth and the nations happen. Kind of a brief explanation. So why did God do that? Um, they were commanded from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, go and fill the earth, right? Go, fill the earth. Don't stay. Right? And it was a very important command that God gave them, and they weren't doing it. So God did something about it. Secondly, the, the whole aura around this story is self, uh, what you would, being self-sufficient, self-sustaining. There's no mention of God. And most likely, this is um, the, the building, what they were building was a ziggurat, which was you can read about in Babylonian history. Um, and it was just a temple to pagan gods. And so... I think the hints of the story are, we don't need God, but maybe even a worship to some kind of pagan God. Um, and so God destroyed it and did something about it. Uh, so in the end, uh, even if you're not quite sure, God is never a party pooper for us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for the world. He knows what's best for humanity. Okay? All right. Good. Last question and then we'll be done. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it states that resist the devil and he will flee from you. Does it mean that he flees for a period of time or that he will return? In other words, if you resist him in some way, is he gone forever? Let me give you the whole sort of, uh, the whole thing. It's, verse, it's chapter four, verse seven and eight in, chap in uh, the book of James. He writes this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he, meaning God, will draw near to you. Okay, the context here too, leading into this, uh, James is talking about pride and humility. And it's very important. Then he talks about resisting the devil. So I think he really is in the context saying the devil, man, in, in, the, in this, the, um, demonic forces, when they come at us and they tempt us, they love to find the areas in our life that we are prideful. What does pride mean? We put ourselves over God, that I know better. I can control this situation. I can get something out of this situation. I don't need to obey God in this, right? Man, Satan finds those gaps, boom right, finds our pride. So James is saying, you have to humble yourself before the Lord. God, you are God. Your way is best, even when I don't, I don't, I don't understand it, even when it feels like if I do this, it'll be better. I'm humbling myself. I'm not going to be prideful before you. This is the way you draw near to God and resist the devil, right? So you also see those, um, those, those verses that I read for you, that, that resisting the devil and his forces is, would be uh, encompassed in that as well means there's one way to do that, 
you know, you know, certain prayers, you know, start burning incense, you know, you know, get holy water and all that nonsense. You resist the devil by drawing near to God, right? One of the two are going to happen. You're going to draw near to devil type things, which is disobedience to God, or you're going to draw near to God. When you draw near to God as a Christian, you resist the devil. This is what Jesus did in the wilderness. He used the word of God. He was, he was in prayer. He was fasting. He, he was drawing near to God, even in his suffering, not being really hungry and thirsty, and the devil had no, no hold on him. That will happen to you as well, right? So how do you draw near to God, right? You're in his word. You, you are regularly worshiping him. So that that's prayer, that's uh, psalms, that's being in church, that's uh, good music that brings worship to God. Man, that's nothing will drive uh, Satan and his demons out of your house further than blasting praise music. They hate that. Um, that means, of course, understanding the word of truth, as I just mentioned, but then obeying it, right? Submitting to God and the, the devil will flee, free from you, so, flee from you. So don't just know the word, <laughs> obey it. And this is drawing near to God and he draws near to you in, in life and the, the devil will, will flee from you. Now, the question says, is this a one-time thing? Absolutely not, right? That, that he flees from you, but even when Jesus' case said to wait for a time where he might return. Um, and so, in, in the moment, if you're drawing near to God, he will flee from you. But now you get, you know, the next week happens and you're really working on pride. You're not in the word. You don't skip church. You don't go to your small group. You're really not worshiping God. You're listening to music that's just not honoring to him. You're washing stuff. Like you, you begin to draw away from it. Here it comes again, right? And so it's a constant process of drawing in humility near to God, and that is how Satan will flee from you. All right, hopefully that helps. Hopefully this has been helpful. We'll see you next week on Ask. Make sure you ask your questions so uh, we can answer them. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you at one of our gatherings this weekend, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 11. God bless. See you then.